podcast contains uncensored profanity and topics not intended for all audiences. This episode in particular is about spontaneous human combustion, and we mention topics like death, alcohol, and graphic descriptions of the effects of fire on the human body that some listeners might find disturbing. So if you don't want to hear about that kind of thing, this is your opportunity to turn it off and enjoy the rest of your day undisturbed. But if you do want to learn what's really getting people all fired up, then welcome, right this way, to Spellbound and Gagged. All right, so I'm going to start this with telling you a story. Okay, I'm so excited. All right. I want to hear this story. <laughs> cool. So this story happened April 4th, 1731. To the Countess Cornelia de Bondi. We're getting in the time machine. We're cinching our corsets. Mm -hmm. Maybe getting out our parasols. Absolutely. We are fancy rich people in Italy. Oh, great. My station has been elevated. (laughs) (laughs) So the Countess was 62. And I'll read you. This was written back in the day. So it's got some fancy language. The Countess Cornelia Bondi, in the 62nd year of her age was all day as well as she used to be, but at night was observed when at supper, dull and heavy. She retired, was put to bed, where she passed three hours and more in familiar discourses with her maid and in some prayers. At last falling asleep, the door was shut. In the morning, the maid, taking notice that her mistress did not awake at the usual hour, went into the bedchamber and called her, but not being answered, doubting of some ill accident, opened the window and saw the corpse of her mistress in this deplorable condition. Oh, no. Four feet distance from the bed, there was a heap of ashes, two legs untouched from the foot to the knee with their stockings on. Between them was the lady's head, whose brains, half of the back part of the skull, and the whole chin were burnt to ashes, amongst which were found three fingers blackened. All the rest was ashes, which had this particular quality that they left in the hand when taken up a greasy and stinking moisture. The air in the room also observed cumbered with soot floating in it. A small oil lamp on the floor was covered with ashes, but no oil in it. Two candles and candlesticks upon a table stood upright. The cotton was left in both, but the tallow was gone and vanished. Somewhat of moisture was about the feet of the candlesticks. The bed received no damage. The blankets and sheets were only raised on one side as when a person rises up from it or goes in. The whole furniture, as well as the bed, was spread over with moist and ash-colored soot, which had penetrated into the chest of drawers, even to foul the linens. Nay, the soot was also gone into a neighboring kitchen and hung on the walls. Movables aid utensils of it. From the pantry, a piece of bread covered with death soot and brown black, this is my favorite part, was given to several dogs, all of which refused to eat it. Don't know why they did wait, that. Wait, hold on. What They were feeding yeah, the, soot? So the, the bread had this, this gross grease on it that was all over everything. And they're like, mm, let's see if the dogs will eat it. I love 1700s. Just like, let's see. Let's yeah, find out. Like <laughs> Science. I love the mentality of just like, I don't know, let's see if it ha- let's see if anything happens. 
Yeah. Okay, so continuing, there's just a little bit left. In the room above it was moreover taken notice that from the lower part of the windows trickled down a greasy, loathsome, yellowish liquor, and thereabout they smelled like a stink, without knowing of what, and saw the soot fly around. It was remarkable that the floor of the chamber was so thick smeared with a gluish moisture that it could not be taken off, and the stink spread more and more through the other chambers. So basically, we have a scene where there is a dead woman on the floor and most of her body has just sort of melted into this stinky, greasy puddle. And there is greasy soot all over the walls, all like it's gone into other rooms, but nothing else is burned. Hmm. It's clear that something that she burned, but her her furniture, the rest of the room is kind of untouched except for this this greasy residue. This is a very specific fire. <laughs> yes. And so this is a kind of fire that has happened about 200 times, according to, you know, th- reports throughout history. That 1731 report was the pretty much the first one that's been documented. Huh. And it's happened a lot since then. The, the most reports of it were in the 19th century. And it's started to be called spontaneous human combustion. Like somehow this body burst into flames on its own because we don't see anywhere else that's burned. So the only way that it could have happened was that the body started burning on its own. Huh. Yeah. So generally, when this happens, the qualities that that happen to these people is the human body is found with significant portions of the chest, abdomen, and upper legs extensively burned with much less damage to the head, arms, lower legs, and feet. And, you know, importantly, that's totally opposite to what usual burn victims experience because the extremities are the ones that get burned. They don't have as much fat. They're, they're a lot easier to, to burn through. And second, there's no obvious source of ignition found in the vicinity of the victim. And the objects around the deceased have been spared from flames. And then usually there is this gross, stinky, oily substance on the floor around the victim. You mentioned that there was like an oil lamp and candles nearby. Yes, that's important. But they were not burned. In this particular situation, it sounds like the wick of the candles was unburned, but the wax was. So that sounds like the heat from the from the fire um, melted probably the wax. melted the wax. Yeah. Okay. But interesting. The oil lamp, though probably was on. Like in every situation. I mean, I'm just going to give give it away a little bit. Like in every situation. There does seem to be some source of ignition or sure. And and also, you know, a fire tends to burn away evidence of what started that fire, too. So you can't always find the source of ignition. But, you know, like Occam's razor, like probably Mm -hmm. probably there was fire outside the body. But that doesn't stop people from coming up with wild, wild explanations of what could be happening. Just to rewind for two seconds, for people unfamiliar with the concept of Occam's razor, because uh, yes. I feel like it's going to play a lot into this yeah, whole yeah. concept. What, uh, what does that mean? The simplest explanation is usually the right one. So the things where you don't need to say, oh, the the body had some mysterious quality that made it burst into flames versus maybe they had matches in their pocket, but the fire actually burned away the matches and you can't find them anymore. Like that seems more likely. 
the rule of boring. It's probably boring. the boring thing. Yeah. It's the opposite of when you're playing D&D and you play by the rule of cool, which is like, <laughs> if it seems cool, yeah, that's what happens. It's the opposite of that because it's reality where everything's boring. Oh, I like the rule of cool. I just I feel like you're going to teach me so much of this stuff, <laughs> like the video games and the D&D stuff. Yeah, I can definitely bring some gaming culture. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, with this, this is the opposite of that. It's probably whatever's the least cool answer. It is. And that, yeah, that's that's how science is. It loves it loves the least cool possibility, but it's still cool. I am wondering about you mentioned this like greasy, oily residue left behind. Is that assumed to be like fat from the body? Yes. Gross. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk the culture of, of this spontaneous combustion for a second. There are a bunch of books and TV shows that have that have depicted this. As said, like a lot of the books were in the 19th century. Herman Melville's book, Redburn, depicted it. Uh, Gogol's book, Dead Souls, did. Charles Dickens was a real believer in his book, Bleak House. He had a character named Mr. Crook, who was the sleazy alcoholic junk merchant. <laughs> and he. <laughs> Known for his subtlety. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he ended up as a heap of ashes on the floor with a dark, greasy coating on the walls and ceiling. And apparently before he published this book, the people who had read it like beforehand were like, mm, that seems really far-fetched, dude. And he's like, actually, no. Uh, there are a lot of scientists that have documented this, and this is a real thing. And he was like very much like, no, spontaneous human combustion. It's a thing. Look it up. And then modern depictions uh, have been in the crime shows Bones and CSI. So spoiler alert there, you're going to see an episode where someone is burned and then you, you find out that it was spontaneous human combustion or the explanation that we will go into later, um, which is not spontaneous. <laughs> <laughs> the boring answer. Yeah, the boring answer. The boring answer. So and actually, so in the 19th century, I mentioned like that was when the most of these cases were documented. And most people accepted this as like a real thing. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, the body burns because you're a bad person, obviously. Uh, because It's punishment from God directly. Uh -huh. Right. Because most of the people documented were overweight. They were alcoholics. They were women. So obviously. Don't like that. Don't like <laughs> you being that. No way. No way. <laughs> so it was kind of punishment for like an immoral li lifestyle. But it also kind of made some scientific sense because if you're an alcoholic, well, alcohol is flammable. Oh. So if your body is soaked in alcohol, of course, it's probably going to catch fire because things soaked in alcohol catch fire. That doesn't really make a lot of scientific sense because if you think about blood alcohol content, right? So think of the the most alcoholic beverage you can think of, which I think is like Everclear, which is what, 80%? Alcohol? It's a lot. Yeah. It's rough. <laughs> and that's Everclear is totally flammable. But something like beer, which is maybe like the highest one that I've ever heard of is like 18%. That's not flammable. Now, you think about the highest blood alcohol content you could have and still be alive, maybe 2%. Like that's really pushing it. You're probably totally passed out by then. But mm -hmm. still, maybe, maybe you're not dead. 2% blood alcohol is not going to catch fire. 
you know, it's, right. if, if a beer with 18% alcohol doesn't catch fire, 2% is not going to catch fire. Uh, this also makes me think of the rules about breastfeeding when drinking, because that's that's where I am right now. Uh, have you have you heard <laughs> if you can find the baby, you can feed the baby? Oh, my God. No, I've never heard that. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love it so much. But yeah, like a lot of a lot of women when they're breastfeeding, they're like, I'm not allowed to drink. Right. Because alcohol goes into the breast milk. But then you do all the calculations. Pump and dump. Yeah. Yeah. Pump and dump. Where, where you drink and then you get rid of that milk so that you have fresh milk that doesn't have alcohol in it. But if you think about it, you know, even if you have like 0.08% alcohol in your bloodstream, because if you have 0.08 alcohol and you can't drive your car, think about a beverage that has 0.08% alcohol in it. That's like nothing. There's not, I mean, there, apparently there is like orange juice has about that much in it and it's not <laughs> harmful. So it's, it's totally fine to feed your baby when you're drinking the only thing to worry about is like taking care of your baby. Doesn't bread have like trace amounts of alcohol in it? Yeah, so that's like, the other thing. There's like fermentation creates some alcohol. Yeah. So, you know, the only thing to worry about is like if you're super drunk, you probably shouldn't be taking care of an infant. But the milk is not the thing to worry about. Sure. So anyway. They just don't want women to have fun. Yeah, exactly. You need to be a perfect angel to be a mother. You cannot have any fun at all. That's right. I imagine some puritanical bullshit is going to be factoring into this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's basically what this is. It's like, if you drink, uh, you're going to burst into flames. If you have fun ever, if you've ever had fun in your life, straight to fire. Right. Straight to fire. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the explanations, you know, we've said people who are drinking a lot, their bodies catch fire because alcohol is flammable and that doesn't really pan out. Another thing probably won't surprise you that the humors were involved. Like, the oh, vapors. Imbalance yeah. <laughs> of humors. Yep. Vapors. Uh, yeah. So that was one one explanation. So when you say humors, you mean like that old school belief in like your body having certain types of fluid in it? Yes. I believe it is blood, black bile, yellow bile and phlegm. Mm, sexy. Mm -hmm. I used to have a t-shirt that said teach the controversy and like as a, a nod to, you know, evolution kind of stuff. And uh, it had a bunch of prescription bottles on them and they said all the four humors on them. Like, oh, yeah, just take your <laughs> take your black file pills. So was the idea that there was like an imbalance of fluid or something? Yeah. Of yeah. Just of, of the the various fluids that make up your body that they had never really found that that was something that caused and you know it caused all illness so why wouldn't it cause combustion being on fire yeah yeah exactly <laughs> which is fun fact i thought this was so cool one theory about why they believed in the four humors was because that's what blood looks like once it separates the mm. um oh i might get this wrong but the platelets are red so that is that is blood there's uh, plasma, which is yellow bile. The black bile, I think, is uh, some other protein. And then, um, yeah, phlegm. Anyway, it's like four different colors. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's what that's what your whole body's made of. Is these four these four colors. I, does is jizz a phlegm? Is that a phlegm? Are they like it looks kind of like it? <laughs> Wait, what? I was asking if jizz is a phlegm. Oh, if jizz is a phlegm. Oh, I mean, it could. Be, yeah, it could probably. <laughs> it's, but yeah, you're right. It's like an umbrella term for all of the phlegm looking substances. So jizz could totally be one of them. I love the idea that they're like, looks just like the nose stuff. It's absolutely be. <laughs> <laughs> same <Yep>. stuff. <laughs> same stuff. That's the stuff that happens when you're sick. Uh, it's also in your blood. Yep. So there are a lot of really wild theories that even came up in the 21st century 
or the 20th century, at least in the 90s. I was going to say 21st century still on our minds, huh? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So in this 1996 book, The Entrancing Flame by a guy named John Heimer, he said that spontaneous human combustion victims are loners because usually these people are are found alone. They they live alone, obviously, because if you're on fire and someone lives there, they're going to put you out. Right. They're loners who fall into a strange kind of trance that triggers a chain reaction of, quote, mitochondrial explosions by, quote, freeing hydrogen and oxygen within the body, which is just a really wild, like, hand wavy. Oh, yeah. Hydrogen is flammable. You have hydrogen in your cells. Somewhere in there, I'm sure. (laughs) So hydrogen probably explodes. Not scientifically plausible. They don't exist in gas form in your body. It's not really... That would be really bad if they did. You'd probably explode when you breathed. So you don't want that. I feel like I would notice if I had hydrogen gas in my body. Probably would. (laughs) It probably would not be a pleasant experience. Yeah. And if you have hydrogen gas in your body, I feel like being on fire is the least of your concerns. It's like low on the list of problems for you. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. That's like, that's last resort thing. Like everything else would be really like, I would love to be on fire because I feel so awful right now. Yeah. This is my favorite explanation is from this guy, Larry Arnold, uh, who wrote a book in 1995 called A Blaze, Spontaneous Human Combustion. He says it's due to a yet undiscovered subatomic particle called the pyrotron. (gasps) Because as we all know, physicists just come up with new subatomic particles all the time to explain dark matter and things like that. So why can't he? Pyrotron kicks ass. That's my favorite transformer. (laughs) yeah definitely that would slot so good you got what's the guy's name optimus prime Mm -hmm. pyrotron the other one the decepticons that's (laughs) (laughs) yes it's it's a perfect it's a perfect one yes and so he says that it's basically like a human goes under extreme stress and then that like triggers this subatomic particle to like activate and make you explode and There are some and in his book, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are some explanations where like um, or examples where there was fire in the room, like maybe there was fire in a fireplace or like we said, the oil lamp. In that case, it's due to a preternatural combustibility, which is a heightened state where a body's cells become more susceptible to burning. So it's still it's still magic. Even if there's fire out there, you there's still something weird with you that makes you catch fire, which is really odd. I like the idea that it's like a stress-induced thing. Mm-hmm. Like you can get so incredibly whacked out that you literally catch on fire and die. Yeah, and this is yet again like it's kind of blaming the victim, right? Like they're like, "Oh yeah, you you got to deal with your problems. You were or just else- going through it." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is like okay, this poor person is clearly so stressed out and has they're they're going through it. They got a lot on their mind. They got a lot going on in their lives, and then you add being on fire to the mix. <laughs> Just, just, you know, it's a bad day. You look down, you're like, oh, man, what am I going to do? I got bills. I'm not going to make rent. What am I going to do? You look down, your body's on fire. You're like, ah, great. <laughs> this might as well. <laughs> <laughs> wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I imagine, like, the Curb Your Enthusiasm music mm-hmm. starts playing, and you're like, or even better, like, some Seinfeld slap bass. <laughs> like, <laughs> Those were the two shows I immediately thought of. Yeah, like, <laughs> what is the deal? <laughs> What's the deal with being on fire? 
Oh, yes. But yeah, there have been, you know, I mentioned 21st century, like there's still people's deaths being attributed to this. As recently as 2011, there was this Irish guy who's in his 70s who was found dead in his room. And they're like, yep, this was spontaneous human combustion. There was a fireplace that was had fire in it, but that's not what did it. That now, you guys. <laughs> This feels so willfully ignorant, doesn't it? This feels so like putting the blinders on, like, pretend I do not see it. I will not perceive the lit fireplace. (laughs) And they also found like his, he was lying on the floor kind of close to the fireplace too. His head was closest to the fireplace. And it was just... Are y'all trying? It's it's just so (laughs) weird. And they um, also, this person suffered from type 2 diabetes and hypertension, but the, uh, the pathologist concluded that the person had not died from heart failure, even though almost none of his body was left. And there's really no way that you can decide that. There's like no ev- no way to have any of that evidence. And that's, again, the big problem here is that you can't figure out what killed the person because none of their body is left except for like the hands and feet and maybe the head. And again, you know, nobody's going, you know, it was probably fire from outside the body. <laughs> Nobody's doing that. It probably wasn't magic. Yeah, it probably wasn't magic. Hearing somebody claiming spontaneous human combustion as late as 2011 has me imagining, like, probably not a spurned lover, but, like, you know, maybe possibly a, a descendant who is eyeing uh, some inheritance or a will right. or something, and you see them kind of, like, holding a Bic lighter behind their back and being like, must have been spontaneous human combustion. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. And it's it's funny, too, because in this news story, it says afterwards, Mr. Fardy's I don't know how to say it. Fa- I'm sorry. Fardy's, One more time. Fardy, it sounds like Fardy. <laughs> F-H-A-E-R-T-Y could be Fardy, but I'll That's say so Fardy. much more flattering. Ms. Fardy's daughter, Marin, said the family was satisfied with the extent of the investigation. Yeah, I bet they were. <laughs> I bet they this was what her, her daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Who inherited stuff, I'm assuming, Probably, from this death, was like, yeah, sounds great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, I'm good. It was spontaneous. No foul play was involved. Absolutely. After slipping the autopsy examiner a, a mysterious envelope filled to the brim <laughs> with dollar bills. Yep. I have to assume something sketchy happened here. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. And something sketchy. I mean, either something sketchy happened or something completely normal happened. Like it just, but I don't know why. Yeah. The idea that they would uh, blame that is is pretty far-fetched. Right. Like why go to the lengths of like attributing a supernatural or paranormal event to something that could have otherwise had very normal yes. causes unless you're trying to like misdirect from something else like maybe there was a cause there that like if they had investigated that cause further they would have found something that didn't line up but then you know i did just finish reading like a murder mystery novel so (laughs) maybe that's just where my head's at (laughs) yeah still even if we go with the mundane explanation that the fire came from outside the body somewhere like a candle or a fireplace or a cigarette it's still kind of weird. Like usually when a candle causes someone to burn, it causes everything else to burn too. Like it, mm. it burns down your house and then you die inside the house. And right. in this case, it's just the person. So there's still like some element of mystery here. And even if it's not supernatural, it's still pretty interesting and pretty like, I don't know. 
know. Like what what's doing this? That is weird. Yeah. And so that brings me to the decidedly not boring possible scientific explanation for what this is. It's called the wick effect or the candle effect. Okay. And it basically involves your body becoming a candle. I don't love that. Yeah, it's not it's not it's my not it's not great. So the idea is that it starts with some source of ignition. So not magic, a fire, a lit cigarette, something like that. And it causes the clothes to catch on fire. But the person is either so intoxicated or, you know, maybe maybe they've had a heart attack and they're already dead. Or this is not great, but sometimes it's people with disabilities. Uh, multiple sclerosis has been something that some of these victims have had. They can't get up. They can't get away from this fire. And their skin starts to burn, and that causes the fat to melt. Mm. And the melted fat soaks into their clothes and makes the clothes more flammable, which melts more fat, and it causes this deadly cycle. And because it's such a slow burn, nothing else is destroyed. Nothing else catches on fire. And this fat burning, it's like it's like when you cook bacon and it gets kind of a greasy residue on your cabinets. Like that's why there's this greasy stain on the ceiling and then just like a burned puddle where the body was. Sometimes it burns all the way through the floor and you can see the ground below. That's what seems to be the most plausible explanation is just this really slow burn that your body continues to fuel And even like when it gets down to, uh, there was a a study that kind of did, it was a meta-analysis of a bunch of different papers on times this had happened. And it found that like, I mean, one one thing it said is that not only the fat, but also your bone and your bone marrow are all very good sources of ignition um, because apparently there's a lot of fat in bone marrow too. And so it just keeps going. And that would also make sense for why the extremities aren't as affected by that because there's not as much fat in your hands and your head. The whole reason that your extremities are usually the ones to get burned in a normal fire is also the reason that they don't get burned in this wick effect. The the fat protects them usually, but in this case, they don't have enough fat to burn through. This also sounds to me like, you know, you're describing like a grease fire, like, Mm -hmm. like what you would get if you were like, we're frying something in grease and that caught fire. And those fires are also also extinguished differently, too. Like you can't throw water on it. Famously, if you throw water on a grease fire, you're gonna have a much bigger fire and things are gonna go much worse. I can't remember what is it you're supposed to do when you have a grease fire? I think you just have to get smother it, right? Yeah, to smother it. You have to get the oxygen away from it. Which your body's full of oxygen. And so yeah. Well, I was thinking to myself, I was like, why wouldn't the water in your body, because your body is full of water, there's tons and tons of water, like in your blood and your organs and stuff. I was like, why wouldn't the water put it out or stop the burning? But then if this is a grease fire that's being fueled by oxygen, that oxygen is just going to make it worse. Yeah, they, they, one way that they know that a lot of these people actually uh, were burned alive was, is that they find soot in their lungs. And so if you're breathing in oxygen, mm. you're probably fueling that, that fire too. But you're right. Like that, that is something that I I thought about too. It's like, we're very moist. We're very moist things. So yeah, that's why like the combustion element to me was like, it takes a lot to set a human body on fire. Yeah, it does. And I think what it is, is like, once it gets to the really watery parts, like really our internal organs are the things that have the most water. It's 
been going for a while and it has a lot of it's it's picked up a lot of speed and it it can burn through that stuff. At least that's that's the way I see it. I don't I'm not sure exactly what's going on. It does make more sense once you kind of dig into it. It also makes me think of this Junji Ito comic. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with the work of Junji Ito. No. He is a manga artist who does specifically horror manga. Ooh. And to get more specific, it is typically body horror. So the horror is not necessarily like, ooh, there's a spooky monster and there's a jump scare and stuff like that. It is usually some sort of supernatural thing that is happening to human bodies. And there's one that he's made that is the most revolting thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it's called Glyceride. And... Oh, I'm already, <laughs> I'm already grossed out. Let's go. Well, okay. So, so, you know, Junji Ito is an incredible artist and it's one of those things that like you can't look away from. Mm. Basically what happens is this family who like live over this restaurant, the family starts to just like ooze grease from their bodies there's a an awful stench inside of the greasy house, sticky walls, and just over time it gets grosser and grosser. I'm not gonna say too much about the plot of it because I don't want to like give away anything about it, but it involves this kind of like grease permeating from like a human body that just gets like nastier and nastier throughout the course of the manga. It's revolting. I mean, most work of Junji Ito is revolting. It will give you this very unsettling feeling. This was the one that made me feel like I, need, I was gagging as I was oh, reading. I wow. thought I was going to throw up. It's disgusting. And I read the whole thing, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> like, the whole time I'm reading it with this face, I'm like, I hate this. Next page. <laughs> 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 but it, it reminds me a lot of this, you know, um, the human body is, is full of gross oozy gunk. <laughs> yeah. And I could imagine that being an explanation for this too. Like, oh, this particular person just started oozing fat grease and the grease caught on fire i'm thinking about like if sweat at all factors into this because when the body gets hot it sweats right i wonder if sweat right. factors into this if you're already sweaty oh you know what that makes me realize the thing we were saying about moisture because i know that like as you get older i think one thing that happens is you sweat less and you're also you also just have less water in your body like babies have the most water they're ever going to have in their lives they're just little water balloons yeah exactly and then as you get older you get drier so the fact that a lot of these victims are older mm. i wonder if that has something to do with it as well yeah know. maybe your body has less moisture in the skin especially in proportion to the amount of fat that you have on your body under like under your skin yeah and then i think i don't know does intoxication change how much you sweat probably not I'm trying to think of all the times I've been drunk. I, I don't know to what degree like alcohol in your body would either affect the amount that you sweat or affect the composition of your sweat. I don't think yeah. it does. I don't know. I know it, you know, it dilates your blood vessels and mm -hmm. so it makes you give off more heat. Yeah, I don't know. I'm totally just like spitballing here. I have no idea. Oh, this train is fully in the speculation station. <laughs> <laughs> I do also see how this could tie into like, if you're using religious justification for like, it ties into the idea of a smiting. <laughs> right. 
this could per- perhaps be a smiting event because fire like, and brimstone yes yeah. fire ties directly into like hell and satan imagery right and mm-hmm. so if someone who otherwise you've never known to be on fire <laughs> I've, I've known this person my whole life <laughs> i i've known this guy he's been my neighbor uh he seemed like such a normal person never seen him on fire I've never. never once seen this guy on fire, <laughs> ever. And he's never mentioned to me that, like, oh, boy, I sure do hope I catch fire someday. You know, never <laughs> expressed intent to become yeah. on fire. Yeah. Um, you think you know a guy. Right. Gosh. And then yeah. all of a sudden, one day you find out he caught fire. He caught fire. Like, I- if, if he can catch fire. So can I. He can't. <laughs> It could be me. Look to your left. Look to your right. <laughs> One of those people might be on fire. Really look at him. Look real hard. Do you see, do you see maybe a smoldering? <laughs> maybe a wisp of smoke. Yeah. <laughs> as much as it does tie into like religious imagery, I do have to wonder if that makes people inclined to believe in like a paranormal explanation for things that otherwise have mundane explanations because something this reminds me of is this sort of i don't know where this story originated but a story that you hear circulated among very religious uh circles is the story of like it usually involves like a house fire where somebody's entire house was burned down and then usually they find at the end that the only thing in the entire house that was completely unscathed was the bible yes (laughs) so this makes me wonder how inclined people are to believe a paranormal interpretation of an event that otherwise has an explanation that is not paranormal yeah. And I think you're on to something because of the way that most of the stories came from the 19th century. Like there's probably some cultural uh, influence there. If, you know, we're not constantly saying that people spontaneously combusted these days. And yeah, it could totally be like a religious thing. I mean, just like today, if someone dies of a heart attack or just dies generally, Everyone on Twitter is like, it was the vaccine, the COVID vaccine who did it. Right. It did it to them. They're not saying it, but they, but that's what that's what did it. Right. Even if they're like, oh no, actually the the autopsy revealed this. They're like, it yeah. was that damn vaccine. The vaccine caused the genetic <laughs> susceptibility. He traveled back it. in time <laughs> and gave himself a genetic condition. Yeah. But it actually it reminds me of ufo encounters like you know have you have you really heard of any like 17th century ufo encounters because i i haven't really what happened mostly back then were angels people encountered angels and then kind of mid 1900s when sci-fi books started really taking off suddenly it was aliens which seems to say that it's really just the same sort of delusion or or vision or something that people have like a common one is uh sleep paralysis yeah where you know you'll you'll see some your eyes are open and you're seeing a dream but it's just a dream but it seems like it's really in your in your house and maybe back then because angels were in the culture that's what you saw and then these days it's aliens the same thing could be happening with spontaneous combustion like yeah fire punishment might have been a thing in the 19th century and um it's not so much today 
I have seen floating around, like when people have talked about people who suddenly uh, find themselves to unfortunately be on fire when they did not expect to be on fire. Uh, <laughs> a lot of times I feel like lightning is suggested as like yeah. an explanation, which I mean, lightning, I feel like you'd know. Yeah, you would. And everyone around you would know, too. Like, yeah. Like, it's pretty loud. It would be pretty abundantly clear that that a, a lightning has happened. And also, if you're inside a house, lightning would have to, like, go inside. This is, like, my grandmother's worst nightmare. Every time there's a storm, she unplugs every electronic device in the mm. house because she thinks the lightning is going to travel up the wires and then zap out your TV and electrocute you. But that would require, you know, the, the yeah. if the lightning could navigate, you know, inside of a room and, like, a heat-seeking missile. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. Like, fuck you specifically. <laughs> there was an episode of Ologies where someone asked about, like, they say you shouldn't take a shower when there's a lightning storm. And there was an expert in lightning who actually been, I think he had been struck by lightning twice. And he, they asked him and, and he's like, actually, yeah, like it, it could happen. It, like, especially if you're, if your shower is kind of on an outside wall, mm. you probably don't want to take a shower during, during a lightning storm because it can go through and then get, get in the, the plumbing and then go through the water. And yeah. So I don't know, but yeah, I think your, I think your grandma's <laughs> thing is a little, <laughs> little fresh. Maybe. <laughs> that would also like leave a trail behind though, right? Like if lightning like traveled through like wiring or you know like walls or something like that that would leave behind a trail yeah lightning is not subtle yeah it definitely (laughs) definitely leaves evidence yeah and actually that's the story i told in the beginning one possible explanation was lightning although there was it was a whole house full of people and nobody else so they're like oh it's it's silent lightning what about that it's that special new kind of uh what (laughs) what about ball lightning that's a thing right like a a fireball that is a thing yeah for a long time that was considered to be a myth and then you know with with more cameras around there have been actual like documented evidence of that which is super cool ball lightning is basically just it's like a ball of plasma that forms during a lightning storm and it can form anywhere it's like not just outside like it can form in your house uh as just this glowing ball it's wild so this is sounding more and more plausible hey it could could be be a ball of plasma that just shows up i wonder okay because i was googling if that existed to make sure (laughs) that's a thing that happens i have to wonder if ball lightning could tie into like visions of angels and yeah you know, aliens and UFOs and stuff, because if there's suddenly just a big giant ball of glowing hot plasma and you don't otherwise know what that is, you're going to immediately be like, that's gotta be, that's devil shit. Like, (laughs) even if you did know, like I, I would imagine seeing that would immediately send you to a paranormal place. Like this is, this is not real. Like this is definitely magic or aliens. You'd be like, this is for sure some biblical behavior. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is the doings of so- some shit. This is either God or devil. I don't know which one. Yeah. So maybe these are victims of ball lightning. That, that could be. Yeah. Nobody ever can't disprove it. Yeah. It's just as likely as having what do you call it? Pyrotrons in your right. Yes. Ghosts in your blood or whatever. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta wonder. Like, have any of these been like reinvestigated or anything? Or are they usually just cold cases? I think they're usually just cold cases. Although, uh, yeah, it's like basically people will read read up on them and be like, yeah, that was probably not magic. But there was one study. Let me find it. Someone used a pig. Someone actually did an experiment on a pig 
Well, that's mean. Uh, yeah. Spontaneous pig combustion. No. Spontaneous pig combustion. I have to wonder if other animals regularly struggle with suddenly being on fire. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> a distinctly yeah. human phenomenon. So this is a Scientific American article from the wonderful Jennifer Ouellette. She wrote that, oh, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm getting this confused with this is something that actually happened on CSI. <laughs> but here, let me tell you about it anyway. In a subplot of this, the episode's called Facelift. An elderly woman is found burned almost to ashes in her living room, dressed in what's left of her nightgown, save for her ankles and feet, which remained unburned, along with the rest of the room. The investigating CSIs assume there was an ignition source of some kind, most likely a cigarette. But Sarah Seidel finds herself suspecting it might be spontaneous human combustion, in part because she can't quite believe that anything else could reduce the body to that level of ash without burning down the entire building. <laughs> Already, I feel like suspecting spontaneous human combustion <laughs> is not a thing. That's like, I'm suspecting yeah. it was nothing. Like, <laughs> Right. I suspect that nothing caused this. I <laughs> That's that not a the suspicion. Body... Yeah, yeah. That is like a non-answer. <laughs> I can't believe that anything else except magic could do this. Yeah. So the human body isn't especially flammable, she reasons, and has high wa water content. Surely the fire would be doused rather quickly, even if the body did manage to catch fire, which is something we talked about. That's why it takes flames of around 1600 degrees Fahrenheit over two hours or more to cremate human remains. A cigarette tip, in contrast, only burns at around 700 degrees Celsius. With the help of her colleague, Warwick, she performs an experiment with a dead pig in their headquarters parking lot, wrapped in an identical nightgown, imagine that, with a single lit cigarette placed in the nightgown. The nightgown catches and begins a slow, steady burn. Hours later, the pig, too, has been reduced to ash, save for its hoofy extremities. Oh, and you know what? I remember now. Someone did this for BBC for real. So for QED, um, someone named Dr. John DeHaan did this exact experiment. And it took a while for the pig body to catch fire. But once it caught, it burned at a high temperature and a low flame for several hours until the fire was extinguished. So, yeah, it's been done to a pig. And works. they watched it happen and it totally did a thing. Yeah. So it, you know, the pig is already dead. So the pig can't, you know, do anything to douse the flames and prevent mm -hmm. it from any longer being on fire. So I guess that has to imply, because in, in the stories you've told me so far, the person was found in a position that would suggest to me that they had been asleep. Yes. So by the time you're, you're really in the danger zone, you had been asleep possible, for so long. Because another thing is that sometimes there was one example of a woman who, who burned to death, her husband also died in a separate room because of smoke inhalation. Mm. So smoke inhalation could be the thing that kills these people while they're burning. So they don't wake up when the burning starts, but then they don't wake up doubly because they're inhaling this toxic smoke and that kills them while their body is burning. At least there is a perhaps a comfort to knowing that perhaps the smoke kills them before they wake up. There is at yeah, least a comfort to that. That would be a pretty awful way to go. Yes, because my hope is that the smoke just kind of passively and quietly kills you so that you don't wake up to experience the the burning. Because I'd imagine by that point, you're probably long dead. Um, mm -hmm. So at least that's a comfort to know that like the smoke is perhaps taking you out quietly. 
Yeah, because it's really it's really hard to imagine that even if you were super drunk or had like a, a bunch of sleeping pills or something like that, that you that your flesh actually burning to a grease fire would not wake you up. So it has to be something like that. Right. Or that if it did wake you up, that you would know what to do about it. Because if it's a yeah. grease fire, you have to kind of know that like that type of fire requires smothering to put out. Otherwise, you might right. look down and be like, oh, no, I'm on fire. Let me just pour water on myself. Oh, no, that didn't do it. Yikes. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I wonder if there's ever been evidence of like, I mean, you know, so much of the stuff burns away. But yeah, maybe there's like a, a water glass nearby. Oh, well, it's like, oh, that would be sad, though. If you find out that yeah. they tried and then it yeah. didn't work. I don't want that to be the case. Don't look that up. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> don't tell you me. Just, they uh, they went to sleep. That's all. I'm going to assume that the that the smoke just took them out and it was not that big a deal and just a really <laughs> spooky thing for the rest of us. Yeah. So this is super morbid stuff. Super gross. And yeah, has like a paranormal edge to it, but also a very cool normal explanation. It does. I have to admit that like I am super far onto the skeptic end of the spectrum when it comes to like any paranormal stuff. Yeah, me too. Anything like paranormal or supernatural, I am all the way fully over in the nothing fun ever happens <laughs> kind of camp. <laughs> when I was in college, I went to a concert where they played Pink Floyd's The Wall while watching The Wizard of Oz to, you know, to be like, oh, oh you know, yeah, the whole to thing sync where... it up. Yeah. If you play them at the exact same time, they sync up like really, really well. Yeah. And the whole reason I went was to find all the places where it didn't sync up. So I could be like, mm, that's not, that's not, it's just confirmation bias, you guys. <laughs> like, that's, that's who I am. So yeah. We're very fun <laughs> at parties. Yes. Very fun. <laughs> now, I, I do feel like I see the fun in essentially playing along. Yeah. I, I like to like go, uh, I, I live close to St. Augustine, Florida, which has a spooky lighthouse. And it's like one oh. of the oldest continually inhabited cities in North America. And so it's really, really old. There's tons of historical buildings that are like hundreds of years old, which sounds like nothing to people who live in Europe and have buildings that sure. are like from 700 uh, or something like that, you know, but but it's it's one of the oldest cities we've got around here. And I like to like go on the ghost tours and yeah, I like that stuff. I like to play along. I like maybe I just like Halloween as well. <laughs> like, yeah, I just like yeah. spooky stuff. <laughs> I've definitely come around. Like I, there was a long time where I was that that girl, you know, the girl I just described, and and I was just like, no, no, uh, because believing in this stuff leads to believing in more harmful stuff. You just can't believe in it. And I was like, astrology, blah, and blah. And I've really chilled out. And I can have some fun. And also, I think part of it just came from thinking that people really earnestly believe this stuff and like center their lives around the idea that ghosts exist. And it's like, no, a lot of people just have fun with it, dude. Like, yeah. A lot of people just <laughs> like believing it. It's fine. As long as you know where to draw the line, right? Yeah. Like as long as you know where like, okay, I'm not going to cross over into ancient alien conspiracy theory territory. Right. <laughs> I'm going to call yeah. it there. <laughs> we can sprinkle in some spontaneous combustion and yep. enjoy some whimsy in the world. Mm -hmm. What's a little uh, Pyrotron here and there? <laughs> what's, what's a little Pyrotron between friends? <laughs> Great, just give yourself a little Pyrotron as a treat. <laughs> yeah. I do think there's something like you can romanticize about the idea that you have this like internal intrinsic like capacity for combustion and ignition. Yeah. Does that make you feel powerful? Right. It's like, I feel like I could be a firebender from Avatar. Like, 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. could be me. <laughs> or I could just my job could be so stressful that one day I could just burst into flames. Sorry, guys. I'm you could definitely manipulate your employer with that. You could be like, I got to take the day off because I just burst into flames. Like, you need me to stress. stay late. Uh, what's your uh, fire safety plan look like? Yeah. Do we, uh, <laughs> how's our evacuation routes? Because I can stay late, but y'all got insurance on this building? Yeah, yeah. Although if humans did have this like power to just suddenly be on fire, we would have already harnessed that for evil by now for sure, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you, know, you also think about like the, the evolutionary, like why would that, we would have for sure weeded that one out by now, yeah, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> There's this one gene. It's the craziest thing. There's this one <laughs> human gene where sometimes you you do a fire. You just burst into flame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, humans didn't invent fire. It was just like one dude <laughs> who just, he exploded. And they're like, oh, wow, this is so good for cooking food. Oh, my God. They're like, oh, could you actually do that over here on this big pile of sticks we have? Um, we actually yeah. need some of that. Uh, <laughs> you could bring the fire that you've got and uh, kind of bring it this way. Um, that would be choice. Mm -hmm. And that's how, uh, that's how humans advanced as a species. Yeah, and that's how we discovered bacon at the same time. This one poor guy had to take one for the team. Yep. <laughs> what a maladaptive trait that would be. Yeah, quite maladaptive. That's right. That would suck to be that one guy. Like this is our <laughs> they're like this is our communal fire guy. He catches on yep. fire for us. Thank God he had three sons and they are gonna <laughs> carry this with them throughout the human race. I can already feel some sort of dystopian YA fiction novel being written about this as like people have the power to catch on fire and then there's probably a evil government about it. There's actually a great book that this reminds me of called, it's called The Power by Naomi Alderman. And it's about how all women on earth have the power to shoot electricity through their hands and they're raised to keep that power from like to not use that power and like because you know men on earth are are very afraid of it for obvious reasons and so all women on earth are like taught not to use it and not even told that they have it but told ways to live in a mm. way that they will discover it and then of course you know they start to discover it and they start to take over and it's like it's a very cool book. It sounds good. Ooh, I'm going to read it. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. just goofing. <laughs> I was being stupid. <laughs> I love that. I, I uh, charge all of our uh, listeners today to avoid catching on fire. Yes, please avoid catching on fire. Don't stress yourself out. Take a bubble bath, you know, like self-care. <laughs> yeah, take a bubble bath so that you're insulated against the flames uh, yes. to preemptively douse <laughs> them. Um, and I say that not to disparage the on-fire community. If you're listening to this Absolutely. and you are on fire, we support you fully. Yeah, all, all the power to you. Yes, all respect. Yes, I have so much love in my heart for the... I hope I, I don't need to make a notes app apology to our... <laughs> <laughs> to our on fire listeners. Yeah. I stand absolutely. I stand with the on fire community. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with an episode with special guest Alex Schmidt about the destruction of Pompeii. Follow on social media to keep up with the show as it grows, or let us know what you thought and leave a good review if you liked what you heard. Our theme music is Snake Oil by Doug Organ. 
If you made it this far, here's a palate cleanser. In Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, the iconic cardigans that Fred Rogers wore in each episode were knit for him by hand by his mother, Nancy. Until next time, this has been Spellbound and Gagged with Ellen Weatherford and Ashley Hamer. Thank you.